When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. This is Dan Lobby. Before we get started here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, let me tell you about Football Insider, our text subscriber service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Everybody, welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange Brown Podcast. I am Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well, and also joined by Watch the Tape Fame. Scott Patsko joining us, also our companion pod here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast feed. Scott, how are you? That's right. I got a side project now, so <laughs> watch out. I'm going solo next. That's that's how you know you've made it when, when you get the side project and mm-hmm. you're, out, you're putting out albums with them. All right. Uh, I thought today let's do uh, let's do four questions, right? Let's spend about five minutes each uh, on these questions, give or take, depending on how long we can go. We've got two games in, uh, as I've mentioned before. We finally have gotten to see some things from this football team for, for the first time in these two games. You know, it's hard to really know how to judge a lot of this stuff because one was against one of the best teams in football. Another was against one of the first teams in football, but we have to work with what we have to work with. So I, I came up with four questions I sent to you guys and away we go. Question number one is your favorite thing 
from the first two weeks of, uh, of this Browns season? You know what? It, there was not a lot to love coming out of that first week. <laughs> uh, it, it, there was, you know, it was really tough to come out of there feeling good about too much of anything. Uh, but I loved the way that they bounced back. And I would have to say that my favorite thing, uh, you know, now collectively from the two weeks is just watching Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt operate together and just to see what those guys are going to be capable of and how they never say die. Uh, their yards after contact are amazing. Uh, it seems like they get stronger as the game goes on. Uh, you know, one guy can stay fresh. The other guy can give him a blow. It's just been incredible. And I think it's going to carry on like that throughout the season. Yeah, Scott, I, and this is something you guys talked about on, on your pod too. Um, watching these two guys run is, is incredible. I mean, they're, they're actually kind of similar in style in, in some ways, but, but they're also, you can see the differences too. Yeah, and it makes, I know we've talked a lot about wanting to see them both together, but I think the way they're going about it makes a lot of sense because you're keeping them fresh and you're keeping two of the best running backs in the league uh, out there, hopefully, you know, for an entire season. We've seen all these people go down recently and, you know, the Browns have a, an embarrassment of riches in the backfield and they don't want to lose that. So I think they're going about it in a smart way and it's, it's paying off. And, and I think you're going to continue to see them excel even when teams know that this is a strong point of the Browns, they still have been able to do that through the first two games, you know, get those guys going. I know they didn't have great rushing numbers in week one, but average wise Chubb and Hunt did really well in that game. So that's, that's promising going forward. Now I still would like to see more of those two on the field from the NFL stats and information site. I looked through their lineup, um, through their lineup listings and they've only been on the field together for two plays this season. And I feel like you can do more, I mean, I, if it were up to me, I could do away with those JoJo Nats and end-around fakes. And, you know, let's make that Kareem Hunt, because if I'm a defensive coordinator and I see 19 coming around, eh, all right, you can have that. If it's 27, that might change the way I approach things. I, I think there's still some more that they're going to unlock here, and I think a big piece of that is there was no preseason, there was no training camp, and they're just, they're just not completely sure how to put these two guys on the field together effectively without compromising – their ability to, you know, have a fresh Kareem Hunt or have a fresh Nick Chubb in that fourth quarter. Yeah, there is, the, the possibilities are endless. They haven't even scratched the surface yet. And I really think that uh, they are just starting to see how these guys are responding, how once again, they are getting the yards after contact, uh, how they are working together and can work together. And once again, the possibilities are endless. The tough part, of course, is that if you do start to get them on the field together and, and get in that kind of personnel, then who are you taking off the field? That is such a hard decision to make when you have Jarvis and you've got Odell and you've got Austin Hooper and uh, you know, you've got Harrison Bryant. So it, it's going to be tough to try to figure out which uh, personnel groupings you want to use at any given time. Uh, but I do think that, uh, that Nick and Kareem are right now the strength of the team. I got lost in like my favorite topic, Scott. You, if, if you had something to add to that, you can, but then we need to, uh, what, what's the favorite thing that you've seen? Well, yeah, I was going to say, just to, to wrap that up, I think, I don't think we've seen everything we're going to see from this offensive season. It's been pretty straightforward and bland in a way. I know they've, they've faked to Nats. And like you mentioned a couple of times, you know, we haven't seen a lot of creativity from this and it just seems like Stefanski's just kind of getting things moving and, and we're going to see more as we go along. But uh, as far as my favorite <clears throat> 
Uh, thing I actually got to one. The first one is simply uh, no COVID positives uh, from the Browns, and really the league as a whole has done a really good job with that. So that's that's a big positive going forward. Um, but the other one is Wyatt Teller. Uh, Wyatt Teller playing like your uh, starting Pro Bowl guard this year so far. Who who thought that was going to happen? He, he's grading at 91.2 uh, offense. He's he's the highest graded guard in the league, and as a run blocker, 91.6. I mean, this is a guy who never graded above 54.1 from pro football focus. So clearly this offense works for him and the Browns are gaining like almost nine yards uh, a carry behind him. So um, just seeing how he's become a big part of this offensive line. When I talked with Joe Thomas early in the summer about how he could possibly be a weak link and how do they cover that up? Well, clearly that's not the case. Yeah, I certainly didn't see it coming. I spent all summer saying that Nick Harris would end up as the right card. Now, it would have been interesting to see had J.C. Treader not gotten hurt if there would have been a more competition there. But credit to Wyatt Teller. The job was there for him. He lost a lot of the competitors, and, and he's been great so far. I talked to uh, people uh, around Wyatt Teller that talked about just how incredibly hard he worked in the offseason to come back and have – a really good year this year. And so far he's off to a great start. I will say, however, uh, that, you know, some of the enthusiasm for anything that happened last week, I think needs to be tempered just a little bit, just a little bit by the fact that it was the Bengals. They were without Geno Adkins. They were without his replacement, Mike Daniels. So the interior of their defensive line, you know, wasn't as good as some of the ones that they're going to see going forward, but nevertheless, he has nailed down that position and solidified it. Okay. Well, my favorite thing was going to be the same as Mary Kay, so I'm not going to come up with the third one because we spent a lot of time on this question already. So I'll just move on to my least favorite thing from the first two weeks. And it's something we talked a little bit about yesterday with our texters. Uh, but, you know, look, it, part of this is because this is an area we didn't think would be a huge concern. But I'm worried about special teams. I, I think their, their kick coverage has not been good. Uh, that, that's a concern, especially against a Washington team that thrives on short fields. Washington can't do anything if they start from like their 25, but if they're at the 40, 45, you know, then, then they can get some stuff done. You'd hate to have that come back and bite you against a team you should be able to beat this week. And just long-term, you're, you're going to have to be able to fix some of these special teams issues. Yeah, you know what? It's been such an incredible disappointment, especially because it's the one unit where there was carryover with the, with the special teams coordinator from last year. So this wasn't where he had never met his guys. He, had, he didn't, they were learning how to do things for Mike Prefer. Uh, there was continuity here. So I think that's what's been most disappointing. And to come back in that second game and to give up all those long returns and to, you know, and have, to have the kickoff out of bounds and all of those kinds of things after what happened in the first game has been incredibly disappointing. They have to get that fixed. Mike Prefer, when we talk to him this week, he's going to be so mad at himself. Uh, and I, I'm interested to, you know, to hear what he has to say when we talk to him on Thursday, because you just know that he's a perfectionist. He cannot be happy with this. Yeah, it's been just something different every week, you know, from the fake punt to the, to the kickoff issues. I, I, I haven't gone through and looked, but I'm, I'm curious to know how much turnover there was on actual personnel and special teams. I know Kaderil Hodge is still getting snaps, but I can't imagine it's the same amount as last year. Uh, but whatever the case, there's, you know, something's different this year and you're already, you've already made a change at kicker, which is never good. So um, yeah, it's, it's weird that that is the one place where you had the coaching staff come back. And so you had the carryover philosophy and all that, but you know, that's where they are. And 
that can lose you games. And, you know, luckily it didn't uh, for them against uh, the Bengals, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, Mike Preferl never admit it, but I do wonder if this is an area that we kind of overlooked when it came to this weird offseason. You didn't have time to sort of just find your core special teams guys through a, a month and a half long camp or, you know, in the spring. Uh, Mary Kay, least favorite thing? Least favorite thing has been Baker Mayfield's two interceptions, okay? The first drive of the very first game ends in a Baker pick. That's not okay. That's not the way that you want to get started. That brings you back to last year when he had 21 for second in the NFL. So that was not a good way to get started. Then he comes back in this game and he only completes 16 passes and he throws, he only attempts 23 passes. And one of those is a very crucial red zone interception, such a no-no. And those guys took advantage of it. They went down and scored on that. It tightened the game to within five points. And that's way too close for comfort when you've got Joe Burrow out there slinging it around the yard. So, uh, you know, I think that was a, a costly, costly mistake by Baker. Now that puts him on pace for 16 on the season. That's not going to fly with Kevin Stefanski. He obviously wants him in single digits, nowhere near the 21 that he had last year. Uh, my least favorite thing, and I could easily say uh, pass coverage here because it's been kind of, and not necessarily the defensive backs on the outside, but I'm talking slot coverage and, and safeties. But I, and this is this might be even small, but no screen passes. I'm just I can't believe I haven't seen a screen pass from this team. Dalvin Cook was prolific at it last year in Minnesota, led the league in screens over 15 yards. Uh, I, they haven't even attempted one yet. I don't remember seeing many in practice uh, in camp. I remember seeing tight end screens, um, but as far as you, you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, two of the running backs who are among the best in the NFL at avoiding tackles and breaking tackles. You're going to get them out into space. You have linemen who are clearly mobile. You have to be to play in this blocking scheme. It just, I can't believe we haven't seen that. Maybe, maybe against Washington this week, that, that's the whole game plan. <laughs> Screen them to death. But uh, it's just surprising to me that we haven't seen that because I think this seems like a team that would be really good at it. Yeah, it has been surprising. I'm trying to think of how much we saw during camp in, in the screen game. And you, know, you also have Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. And, and those are two guys that you could get um, on some bubble screens or, or something like that to get out in space. On the interception topic, I, I had to look this up to make sure I get the number right. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games now in a row uh, for Baker Mayfield throwing an interception. And, you know, look, some of that could go hand in hand, right? Like, sometimes you just got to make things real easy on your quarterback. And that's something they did well, I thought, against Cincinnati. We saw play action. Not a ton, but we saw a decent amount, especially early. Uh, we saw bootlegs. And you saw how he performed. You know, the screen game is supposed to be easy. And they, they seem to have the weapons to be able to pull off the screen game. So maybe those two things kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Make things easy. Get your quarterback easy passing yards. He's not going to complain about that. Yeah, I'm sure you'll see that as we go along. I think uh, one of the, the downfalls or the drawbacks so far to, to these guys not spending time with their personnel throughout the offseason is the fact that they just didn't really get a feel for them and how they wanted to use them and how this was all going to look. And then when you think about it, you know, they had that they probably put so much time and effort into the opener and they didn't have any time to practice for the second game. So in terms of just putting something new, and I think for the most part, they were 
ripping pages out of the playbook and throwing them down on the floor just to field a football team because it didn't look good when we went to, you know, like that scrimmage down at the stadium. When you see the first team offense getting beat by the second team offense when it's, you know, twos against the ones and the ones against the twos, I think it was cause for concern. And I think they kind of pared things down a little bit. And as the weeks go by, I think we'll see them put things back in there, like more screens and whatnot. Okay, our next question here, we're going to play a little bit of the prediction game. Uh, the Browns have Washington this week, then they go to Dallas, then they go, then they play Indianapolis at home. So look, the easy thing would be to say, oh, you know, they'll be two and two after that. And that's good if you're two and two after four games. So I decided to throw in Indianapolis as that fifth game because I want to know it. Now, I'll be honest, I have not gotten to watch either of Indianapolis's games yet. I, I looked a little bit into it. They had the, the loss to Jacksonville, who, I don't know, maybe they're suddenly better than we thought. Uh, and then they won last week uh, as well, did, did the Colts. So that's a tough one to, to really make a call on. Uh, but I think the record after five games, because we don't know a ton about Dallas, they needed to have that historic comeback to beat Atlanta. But I think this team can be three and two after five games. I actually feel strangely good about that, even though that Indianapolis game scares me a little bit. Uh, I think they can be three and two. You know what? I'm, I'm going to agree with you there, Dan. When I looked at these first five games, if I had to uh, pick that record as well, that's what I would have gone with. And of course, that means uh, that we have them beating the Colts. And it's, it's not going to be easy. I mean, they've got Philip Rivers, and they, you know, they're scoring some points, and they're playing uh, pretty well. But, um, but I still think that that's a winnable game for them. I, I think that they're going to be able to get to Philip Rivers. I think the defensive line will be able to disrupt him, get him off of his mark. Uh, I think the cornerbacks are starting to play pretty well. I mean, the cornerbacks played well in this past game for the most part. Uh, Terrence Mitchell really came through. Uh, so I think these guys will be able to uh, hold up really well in the back end against that passing attack. I, I don't know. I, I kind of do see that as a victory as well. Well, while you were talking, I was looking at my uh, preseason prediction here because I went through game by game, and uh, I had them being three and two. Did I have them being three and two? No, I had them being two and three. I had them losing, well, obviously, the opener and then uh, uh, beating the Bengals in, the, in Washington and then losing to the Cowboys and Colts. So, I, you know, I guess the real question is who's going to be available on defense for these games? That's, you know, who are they getting back <laughs> Uh, going into Dallas and, and playing against the Colts because that's going to have a huge say in, in how they perform. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're if they're four and one after five games. I think the potential's there. Um, Cowboys, I wouldn't be uh, that afraid of. Uh, and I mean, none of these. This isn't the the juggernaut part of the schedule by any means. So um, you know, they're getting healthier on defense. Obviously, I just we just don't know how quickly those guys are going to get back into the main part of the rotation. But I mean, three and two sounds about right. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's four and one. It's a, it's a little bit of an optimistic – I mean, I'm doing the three and two just to be optimistic on that Colts game because, you know, you start talking about the defense, and I do get a little nervous about, you know, all those guys that the Cowboys do have. And, uh, you know, Phillip Rivers kind of has it going a little bit. You know, which Phillip Rivers are you going to get? The good Phillip Rivers or the guy that starts throwing the, throwing the ball to the other team? You know, that, that could determine it as well. So I, I think there's a lot of variance there. Okay, uh, another prediction. Uh, this week, there were lots of guys that we were talking about after the Browns beat the Bengals. Who's the guy we're going to be talking about next week 
after the Browns play the Washington, I've got to practice this because I don't want to slip up, the Washington football team. You know, I'm still going to go with the guy that we were talking about a lot after this past game, and that's Miles Garrett. I think that this is going to be one of those games uh, that will be set up for Miles to excel. Uh, they now have their best offensive lineman has been placed on injured reserve. Uh, so that uh, tends to, in, in Brandon Scherf, uh, that tends to be a, a trickle-down effect now. Uh, and that, that really weakens their line. So you can kind of line, you know, you can try to maybe move miles around a little bit and take advantage of some, uh, some weak links there if you possibly can. Uh, then, you know, then you've got a younger quarterback again in Dwayne Haskins, who I think you can get to him. I think you can rattle him. I think you can run some stunts and some games like they did on Joe Burrow that will, you'll be able to confuse him in that way. And, uh, and then on the other side of the field, you've got Chase Young. So do you think Miles Garrett's going to want to be shown up in this game by Chase Young? Heck no. Uh, I say he goes out there and has an, a, a monster game. That, that, that line of thinking didn't work last season against the 49ers, though, did it? That's true. <laughs> um, I, I think we're going to be talking about Jedrick Wills, as Mary Kay kind of alluded to there, either in a positive way or a negative way. Um, I think he's going to be a big part of this game because obviously Chase Young and just overall that defensive line might be the best uh, in the league through two weeks. Um, so I think, you know, he's had, if you look at him against the other top three you know, there was like a big four group of offensive linemen in the draft. And uh, Makai Becton with the Jets might be having the best season so far. But you could argue that Jedrick Wills is, is second on that list. So uh, he's done good so far, uh, considering he hasn't been totally healthy and he's learning a new position. But um, this will be probably his biggest test. Um, I know he played Ravens week one, but this is a big test for him. I think we'll be talking about Jarvis. I, I think there were there, it started to uh... – scratch the surface a little bit with what they can do with Jarvis on Thursday night. There was that fourth down play. They got a little creative. They were using some different motions with him. Uh, I think the guy we're going to talk about is going to be Jarvis Landry. This is one of those games where we know he's going to get targeted a lot. And I, you know, I think he's going to turn those into catches. I think he's going to turn those into big plays. I, I think they're going to be able to take advantage. You know, they're going to want to get the ball out quick, right? Because Washington's strength is that pass rush and Chase Young. And Chase Young going against Jedrick Wills or Jack Conklin, wherever he lines up, or I don't know, maybe Chris Hubbard. We haven't seen the injury report yet. Uh, so I think Jarvis is going to be really important to that. Now, look, they might just line up and run the ball a ton. But if they do turn to that passing game, especially early, I think getting the ball in Jarvis's hands in different ways uh, is, is going to be a big reason this offense has success. So I'll go, uh, I'll go with him because I don't want to say Chase Young. I don't want to say somebody from the other team, but I think we'll also be talking a lot about Chase Young after this game as well. Yeah, I, I can see I can see Jarvis um, because he didn't get involved much last week, and I think there will be a little bit more of an effort to get him going. Uh, you, you just, no matter what, I mean, you have to keep your stars somewhat happy. And this is a game that they should try to get Jarvis and Austin Hooper some of those earlier touches that we've talked about. And I agree, huge game for Jed Wills, and he's had a nice showing so far. You know, if Chase Young gets a sack this week, we might be talking about another flag-planting incident. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that might happen. Who knows? Yep. Uh, well, the, to go with the Austin Hooper thing that you mentioned in the, in the first game, uh, Philadelphia targeted Dallas Goddard nine times. He got eight for 101 yards. So uh, they had some success throwing to their tight end. Uh, in that opening game against Washington when they, they built that big lead and, and then blew it. 
Philadelphia breaking my heart this year. They are, they're my new, I said this on our picks pod last week. They might be my new hate watch team. All right. That'll do it for this edition of our orange and brown talk podcast. Actually the first half, I got a little ahead of myself because guess what? In the second half, we have Terry Pluto coming. Uh, so check that out after the break, but also make sure you check out football insider text 216-208-3965. We're going to take a break and then Terry. And now we welcome Terry Pluto onto the Orange and Brown Talk podcast for our weekly Terry's Talking segment. Terry, I don't know if uh, you knew I was going to call the podcast segment that, but here we go. Uh, you injuries. know, you're so creative. I've never <laughs> seen that phrase used, Terry Talking, anywhere before that. Right. Well, I was thinking about maybe calling it scribbles or something like that. There's, you know, any number of original ideas that I came up with. When I when I do my stuff on uh, WKSU each week with Amanda Rabinowitz's view from Pluto. See, there's just so much you can do with your name. You've got the, the Terry, so there's the alliteration, and then there's the Pluto. There's just so much we can do with this. Maybe yeah, we'll, right. we'll come up with something. But let's start with Not the Browns. everybody to death, so let's get going. <laughs> Let's, let's start with the Browns' defense. Uh, they're getting some guys back. Mac Wilson was back at practice. Greedy Williams, uh, Kevin Johnson, all back at practice. This defense has certainly been the big concern so far for this football team. The defensive so, line allowing thirty points a game bothers yeah. you a little bit. Uh, the performances I've watched have had me a little bit concerned, especially against a rookie quarterback. Um, but this is good news, right? Get, getting these three guys back has to be good news for this. By any more, obviously they need more depth at all these positions. Um, you know, fans where I've been, I've been working on a Hey Terry that's going to run on Wednesday and fans are very obsessed and, and, and concerned about the linebackers. And, you know, the hope is Mac Wilson could be in there and play. But I have to admit when I think about first, this guy was going to have knee surgery, then he didn't. Uh, but he does, he is coming off a knee problem. And last year, how would you, how do you really think he played last year? You know, I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was great. I think he's, I think he's a little over aggressive, to be honest. And I think that hurts mm-hmm. him. He gets out of position, and um, you know, it was funny actually. Sheldon Richardson, I was doing a story on on Mac and Joe Schobert, and I asked Sheldon Richardson about Mac Wilson, and he said, "Yeah, he's developing." He, you know, gave me a good answer, and at the very end, he said, "But he's got to stop running into me in the run game." And I kind of noticed it a little bit that he would kind of run up behind some guys and take some bad angles and and kind of run into guys. And um, so I I think positionally it it can be a little bit of a concern. I mean, that's similar to what Jabril Peppers did a lot too. Jabril Mm -hmm. obviously was a guy that could make some dynamic plays, but also a guy that would take some bad angles and and be over-aggressive. I guess Jabril is playing better for the – for, uh, it for seems the, like it. I haven't I haven't checked in on his grades or anything, but but all right. So a couple, couple thoughts on Mac Wilson. Number one is, um, you know, athletically he's really good. But there's a reason he went fifth round, wasn't it? Yeah. Because I think on the film they probably saw some of the same stuff that we're seeing. You know, some really good plays, but some stuff where he's bad angles or just doesn't seem to uh, track what's going on. You know, can he learn and improve? We'll see. But remember Nick Saban who generally tells his players when it's time to go, to go ahead and go. He yeah. said Mac needed another year. And I don't think he did it just because he wanted Alabama to be better. I mean, who knows? He might even have a better guy playing than Mac Wilson. I don't even know the way they stack Right, him. like Al- Alabama doesn't 
need Mac Wilson, right? They, they have five-star guys coming I up. I think what time. he wants to do, you know, it's a coach's best interest to be able to uh, now he send these guys to the pros, but have them have good careers so that when every time he rolls out the, the latest uh, uh, media guide and all the stuff they do online, you see another guy that, oh, he's a five-year starter with the Browns or whatever. So I think that's that – I, I had to admit that was a bit of a, a caution flag to me when he said that. But we'll see. I mean, Mac Wilson, right now, B.J. Goodson, I was looking at the pro football focus grades. Uh, he, he's, he's not playing well. He's, he's down there. They, they rated uh, – 63 linebackers they consider like starting linebackers that play yeah. like half the snaps. He was 47 out of 63. And that matched the eye test. Here's a weird one, though. They have Malcolm Smith at 11. Small sample size. No, it's, it's got to be, right? Half of their snaps. 76 snaps he's played. Really? Yeah. I, I guess he did play a lot in Baltimore when, when Jacob Phillips went out. I just I don't, I, I don't see it, but so we'll see with Mac. Who who else is uh, who else is there? Coming uh, Greedy's coming back. Greedy Williams, and this is an interesting one mm-hmm. because there's a part of me that wonders. You know, we've talked so much about you know a team not having its starters, but I don't know. Maybe Terrence Mitchell is the is the answer right now. Uh, corner opposite of Denzel. Denzel Ward played great last Thursday yes, night. Yes, he did. But there were all those stats about Denzel against. Uh, uh, A.J. Green, and I forgot what A.J. Green caught, like two passes against him. Yeah, he, he didn't do much of anything. Yeah, he really didn't. Um, in terms of uh, uh, by the way, uh, Smith played, uh, Malcolm Smith played 56 snaps last week against the Bengals. Okay, well then I must not be paying attention. <laughs> I must not, I just didn't notice. I'm, I'm with you on this. I'm like, huh? And pro football focus sometimes are good and sometimes you go, what, what were they watching? Right. So, Alright, to get too greedy, and I'll throw this back to you. How good is he? I mean, I think he's still very much a work in progress. Mm-hmm. I, you know, now I thought, again, this was an area where, um, you know, PFF didn't grade him great. And what I was watching was a guy that was okay. Uh, maybe a little better than those grades. And I'll admit, I don't watch every single snap. Mm-hmm. Even when I go back and rewatch the games, I don't watch the corners every single snap yeah. super closely. But um I thought he was a better tackler than advertised. Yeah, that's what that was the interesting part. But I didn't think he covered as well as it was supposed to. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that, you know, I still, I, I'm not convinced that he's going to be your starter. I, I think Terrence Mitchell has a chance to, he's a guy that just kind of hangs on. And, well, a lot he's of got a chance to get that job. At cornerback and safety, both of those positions. Uh, remember how Traymond Williams played forever. Yeah. You know, these guys that are smart and tough, uh, they have long careers. They, they, they know how to prepare for the various receivers and things. And that Mitchell reminds me of a guy like that. You know, fortunately, Mitchell's had trouble staying healthy. Uh, so we'll, well here's, we'll go ahead. Uh, I, was, I was looking up, I was looking up Tremont Williams. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was playing last year. <laughs> yeah. I, Cause I remember he was supposed to be washed up when like Patton had him here or what. And I thought then the next year he kept playing. I thought, actually, I thought he was okay here. So I don't know. But to get to my point, you know, where you see Terrence Mitchell, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, they're going to play three defensive backs and all that stuff a lot anyway. So, uh, but really, uh, just to slap him in there, you know, if you give him the starting job right now, my feeling would be you're almost doing it because he was uh, the starter last year and because he was a second-round pick. 
because he, he clearly didn't play at all in training camp. Hardly. He's been out for almost a month. With the, remember the day-to-day shoulder injury? Yeah, that lasted weeks. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, yeah, okay, so you mentioned it. This is probably the most important guy coming back is, is Kevin Johnson. Yes. Because uh, you mentioned the three defensive back or the three, three guys they're going to play. They're going to be a nickel a lot. Uh, you know, I think Grant Delpit would have eased that loss uh, of Johnson had he been healthy. But getting Johnson back, this is a guy that in the very, very small sample that we got of him in training camp was really good. Um, then he had the lacerated liver. If he's well, back on the field. Too. I mean, I, I mean, I just went, my goodness, I saw that thing, lacerated liver. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I can tell you if I uh, lacerated my liver, I would not be back playing football in about yeah, a it's month. Amazing. It's amazing what these guys play with. Yeah, to your point, I'm anxious to see Johnson because he's been around. Uh, he's pretty highly regarded as, a, you know, a viable uh, nickelback. Uh, and you do need uh, depth back there. I mean, I'm always worried about Denzel Ward staying healthy. Mm-hmm. He's had multiple concussions and, and other things. You know, last year, remember, he and Greedy both had hamstring uh, injuries at the same time. Yeah, they missed four games each, right up, leading up to the bye week. It was just strange. So – yeah, bring them the more the you know the more the better when it comes to these defensive backs. Uh, a point, by the way, about safeties and that, you know, Andrew Sandejo playing a hundred percent of the snaps. It's it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it looked like he was really tired. He's older. I mean, I, I put some of that on Joe Woods. That that guy. Yeah, Ronnie Harrison, I think, played uh, six snaps against uh, Cincy. That's that's just sort of dumb to me. You, you have to have him on there. I know he maybe not up to speed, but the other guy was running out of speed. Yeah, there's no reason. You know, at this point, going up against this, this Washington team with 10 days off, there, there's really going to be no excuse if Ronnie Harrison's not on the field more on Sunday. I know but, the office really likes him, Dan. This wasn't just, uh, oh, we can get a younger guy and it's only a fifth-round pick. You know, they, they sit there and they have their list of guys they think might be available, and they go back to their college uh, reports, and that goes back to Alabama, by the way. Yep. Uh, and they think this guy could be a starter, you know, over time. Maybe not now, but he's only 23. And the Browns are an interesting spot to me. It's like, yes, they want to win now, but it's not win at all costs now. I still see they're trying to develop, and that's why they're holding money back in the salary cap, that kind of – and a big thing, too, they want to do this year is, uh, you know, make sure that they don't have guys walking out. I mean, they've already done two good things contract-wise with Hunt and, and Miles Garrett, and, re, and it was a quiet thing, but it worked reworking the deal for uh, Chris Hubbard. Yeah, and, and that was an important – that turned out to be pretty important wow. against Cincinnati to have him out there at, at right tackle and – Played pretty well uh, on Thursday night. Maybe he's better in the zone blocking stuff. I don't watch enough tape to know. I don't claim to be any sort of offensive line. I feel much better looking at pitchers than I do at offense. <laughs> I just do. And trying to guess what they're going to do. But I do know that some guys do better in that zone blocking scheme than others. Clearly, I don't understand why more teams fail to run it. We saw it here with Kyle Shanahan. You see it with Denver. Whenever they run the stuff, and 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 now Shan has them with San Francisco, and just a little bit we've seen here. Well, people talked about well the running game, 
Bora on the national level, the running game wasn't that good against Baltimore. I'm like, look at the stat sheet. They just stopped <laughs> running. They averaged five and a half yards a carry. That wasn't a problem. The running yeah, game. Yeah, the, the game was a blowout in the, the third quarter. I mean, by I the end of the first half, it was or anyway. You know, five and a half yards is five and a half yards. And and I do think the zone blocking scheme, uh, along with the upgrades, it's helping um, uh, Wills, too, where he isn't as exposed. I don't understand the whole thing, but a football guy was explaining to me that it's much easier for the zone scheme for a, a guy making that switch from right to left tackle and a rookie than if you just kind of throw him out there the old way and have a good time blocking whoever the top defensive end is that week. Yeah, and, and and Wills has been a guy too that that has obviously his transition has gone much better than expected. Yeah. I think, especially after a, what was a tough camp, at least from what we saw. Well, but, I mean, maybe it's because the Browns do have really a good defensive lineman. Yeah, very very well could be. <laughs> Just let let's talk about that defensive line a little bit. Okay, uh, even, even with Olivier Vernon out, and and look, if you have Olivier Vernon on your roster, you're going to be out in this games. Yeah. Um, even but did with, he even know he had what? What was it this week? It was an ab- abdominal injury, and it kind of popped up. Yeah, was that anywhere on during the week that he was missing practice or something? You know, I, I'd have to go back and look at the injury reports. It would have jumped out at me when I looked at it if I just saw. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel like that too. You know, he's always on your is he injured radar. That to me popped out of nowhere. So I'm I'm pulling up uh, the injury report from. Yeah, he was limited. Okay. He was limited leading up to it. Um, All right, so but again, I, the, those short weeks are weird because they're, yeah. two of the reports are estimated. They don't even practice. Yeah. Um, so they're just sort of weird, <laughs> weird things. <laughs> okay, so we look at the line. How did Ogunjobi right. play? I didn't look at that in that game that much. Uh, you know, I, I didn't notice him obviously as much as, as against Baltimore. I'll pull up his, uh, his PFF grade here, but I mean, really the guy that, that shined in that game outside of Miles Garrett, obviously was Sheldon Richardson. Yes. And I, and I've been nothing but impressed with Sheldon Richardson. I like him since he showed up here. He's first of all, just from a media perspective, he's great with us. And, you know, we're not allowed in the locker room this year, but when we were last year, he was great to have in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And on the field, I mean, he, he played hard all last year, even when things were bad. Just Remember played they, hard they, every they, game, and then we saw what he did Thursday night. And they put him a defensive end some here. This guy could play defensive end in the NFL. Oh, yeah. He's, he's really good. I'm with you on that. So he's really good. Miles, I got an email. Well, Miles wasn't that. You know, he had the one player or whatever. They had him credited with nine quarterback hurries, and that's a big deal, you know, that forcing the guy to throw off balance. And that's uh, – Miles was all over the place against the Bengals. So Larry, um, Larry in this game did not grade out nearly as well. He dropped down to a 54-3 yes, PFF. Um, pretty good against the – well, not good against the run, but it's better against the run. Um, so his grade was not nearly they, – yeah. they had him as the highest-graded defensive player after the, uh, the Baltimore game. Right, and he did stick, stand out in that game too. So Yeah. Yeah, so there, there. I mean, there, there were some things there. If you look, uh, I mean, I was thinking, you know, the guy that did opt out, Billings, would be nice to have him. But sure. fortunately, they do have depth on the line at least so far. But I wonder um, about we talked about uh, uh, Olivier. Is he going to be playing or not uh, this week? 
yeah, we get, we get our first injury report Wednesday. So I guess, I guess we'll see, you know, the guy that, that hurts to lose though is Adrian Claiborne. Yeah. Oh, he, he played 18, he played he 18 so snaps on Thursday. And I think you felt every single one of those 18 snaps. You know, he was a guy that has been a good player in the past. And sometimes you take a guy who's been a really good star as he gets older and it's almost like a, a pitcher. Okay. He doesn't go six or seven innings, but he can give you still three good ones. And uh, that was the same thing with this guy, you know, on a, on a modified use. He, he's really effective. What did he hurt? Was it a hip or something? Yeah, it was a hip. Um, and he was off to the side. Uh, that so, could be anything, yeah. I mean, I mean, hopefully he'll be able to get out there. And I think, again, this was an important addition, not just because he can still play. Mm. But I'm a pretty firm believer that you got to have some grown-ups, right? you got to have some veterans in those rooms with guys. And I just know, I've mentioned this, a couple other times but I would notice after practice you know when we were allowed out there during camp he'd be off to the side working and he'd have Porter Gustin over there working with him and I mean he really seems to take time you know to not only put in the work on the side on his own uh, but also kind of help guys out with if they need it. I mean you know I've kind of beat the theme to death more than others but but I but I really believe they were sincere Andrew Berry and Stefanski on the stuff smart accountable thing for players Mm -hmm. and the guys are bringing in so like i keep getting these emails on earl thomas they're not bringing earl thomas in here when the ravens cut a guy and say he's detrimental to the team (laughs) right and if you can't fit with the ravens and how they get things going and and the ravens are trying to win a super bowl like that's their priority yeah they don't want to just let talent walk out the door they played him 22 million last year you know, and, and they're, they're fighting over $10 million for this year. I mean, they would love Earl Thomas to have been playing reasonably well and just play him, but uh, pay him and play him, but they let him go. And I think they just don't, they want these type of guys. If you look at, you know, the players they did bring in, you know, they love, remember, they always loved Chris Hubbard as a, as a person and said he was coachable and willing to do whatever, and they gave him the money. You know, Miles Garrett, other than the, the fight on the field, there's been nothing but good stuff about Miles Garrett, you know, his character and that. Kareem Hunt, you know, a little brush early on, was it January? But overall, yeah. it's done yep. good stuff uh, with them. And also, I think when he's around Nick Chubb, it's even better for him. You know, Chubb kind of keeps an eye on, on Hunt, and that helps off the field. So those are the guys. There's so Earl Thomas and some of these other guys. They're just not going to bring them in. And they want guys like Claiborne. So speaking of that character thing, and, and you mentioned Hunt and Chubb, um, I, I think what's so impressive about Nick Chubb is this is a guy, I mean, could you imagine if you're a running back who should have won the rushing title last year? Yeah. And you, you're going into the fourth quarter against Cincinnati and your team's going to try and run the clock out. And, you know, the coach says to you, hey, we're going with Kareem Hunt instead of you. I could imagine there's a lot of backs in the league that wouldn't love that. No, yeah, we, we never hear we never hear a peep from Nick Chubb. Here, I thought you were Hunt's only agent, and it turns <laughs> out Chubb is because see? did you see in that press conference? He goes, "Well, we should have got Kareem involved early." <laughs> I'm like, right. "Well, if he's involved early, you're not." <laughs> I mean, you hand the ball to one guy, but it, what it meant was the. Oh, I talk about the uh, the way Chubb does take a bigger view of the world and the game, and then just Nick Chubb. And I think he wants he and Kareem to be dynamic. Now I'm waiting to see. I haven't run. This is a good thing for you or Ellis uh, Williams to look at exactly how many snaps have Hunt and 
uh, Chubb been out there together? It's been very few. I'd, I'd have to go back and look. I, I keep track of like the personnel groupings, but I don't really get specific as to like who was that on the field. That would be a field. good one to see because um, a lot of fans are wondering about, you know, Biner and Mac. I actually might be able to find that out here. As How about this? Here's what I love though. I'm sitting there and there's Chubb also singing the praises of the fullback. <laughs> yep. I mean, this says a lot about his character and, and it's very important. And, you know, I, I think with him and Hunt, it's such a unique situation because I think for Kareem, it's like he's still almost just happy to be playing football right now. Yeah. And frankly, and that, that's, that's a big piece of and it. And you too. know what? He just got paid. Assuming, boy, there's some stuff in that contract that, you know, he's got to. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, I mean, this is exactly, if you're Andrew Berry, what you want to do. Think about this. Suppose they didn't give Hunt this extension and they just let him play it out and he runs for 800 yards and he catches, you know, 600 yards worth of passes and, and he hits the open market because the Browns didn't take a chance to sign him up earlier. That would have been typical Browns. Right. Now you got him for this year plus two more. Uh, and remember, if he gets suspended, he doesn't get paid at all. It's a great contract. And then you could work on Chubb. I think this helps them where now they didn't pay exorbitantly for Kareem Hunt. So it isn't like you sit there, well, we just can't pay Chubb. So they, they haven't been on the field a ton. I'm kind of just eyeballing. Yeah. Um, the NFL stats and information site tracks um, the 11 guys on the field. And I, well, I don't want to... I don't want to throw a number out there right here just because you ought to really turn into a little bit of a story. Cause I've gotten a couple emails on this. from Facebook. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to dig a little deeper into this. I want to make sure I don't miss anything, but it, it hasn't been um, a ton of plays. And when they've had two backs on the field, the fullback, right? a lot of it has been the fullback. Yeah. I mean, you could really do some stuff like you could, you could put uh, hunt as a slot receiver or something like that. All right. I got a question for you. Okay. My client Richard Higgins. <laughs> Oh, I'm ready for I'm ready for this question. He's not getting on the field. <laughs> All right. Well, you want some numbers? Sure. Okay. So we already we already expected this, right? But the Browns, as expected, are among the teams lowest in the league in using eleven personnel. So three yeah, wide receivers. Three wide receivers, yeah. Right. And when they've been in that personnel, it's mostly been Kaderil Hodge. Right. They've thrown JoJo Natson out there a little bit to kind of fake some end arounds and things like yeah. that. Um, they've only gone more than three receivers one time. And I don't remember that play at all. And I'm suspicious that the site I found this information on, it's Warren Sharp's uh, website. He's really good at tracking this that stuff. That was wrong. That they might've counted the fake punt <laughs> as an empty backfield, zero, zero person. The fake punt should count as only one thing. Because they have it, they have it as a two-yard, they have it as a run play and a two-yard loss, and that lines up with the fake punt. Well, I'm just saying that is certainly kind of one thing, something you never do again. <laughs> exactly. If you fake a punt, you snap it to one of the upfront guys. You don't snap snap it to a Scottish hammer, <laughs> whatever that was. When he he needs to gain 15 yards. <laughs> Because he's about 10 or 11 behind the line of scrimmage. And he was like fourth and five or whatever it was. Right. And, and Baltimore, they don't tackle very well, right? No, no, of course not. That's not something they do well at all. The, the bigger point here, though, is, first of all, they're not using three receivers very much. 
And when they are, they're choosing either the speed of Hodge or the trickery that could come with Jojo Natson over Richard Higgins. Right. Um, so I, I just think right now there's just, there's not an opportunity. And it comes down to the question of who are you going to take off the field? And, and remember, we always have to keep in mind when we have these discussions of uh, we're talking now where everybody's healthy. Yes, exactly. And I know Odell played all 16 games last year. And to his credit, by the way, you know, he did play very well, I thought, in that game. You know, mm-hmm. Because he didn't seem to get too frustrated when the ball didn't go his way, all that stuff. So somebody's probably going to get hurt. Oh, and for then, sure. It always happens. My guy finally get a shot. <laughs> and they'll wonder, why didn't we use him more? <laughs> well, I, coming into this year, I was not – super high that he would get a ton of playing time just because yeah you know you paid less you you're paying him less this year than you did last year no you and know you know what you actually paid him you waited till you waited till april to bring him back by the way what you actually paid him this year was zero guaranteed not a dime of that that was kind of lost under that i've kind yeah. of dug that out zero guaranteed so and he was brought in i think primarily in case somebody gets hurt they know this guy what he can do they know he connects with baker um and so i mean the fact is now my other client oh it's not really hard to be a to represent jarvis landry oh no of course not (laughs) the big room of guys i wanted to have his guy but he is so good it doesn't matter what offense it doesn't matter he catches passes he's open you you can do so many things with, with Jarvis, which yeah. which is great because he's not like, you know, we talk about speed, right? And we talk right. about all this stuff. He's not like this super no. athlete, like spark guy. <laughs> Just he knows where he's supposed to be. He's reliable. He wants to win. <laughs> like he's yeah. he's everything you want. I, I know when when John Dorsey made that trade, there was a little bit of. Uh, you know, well, is this guy just a possession receiver? Does, does he just catch a bunch of passes? And, and that thinking went out the window fast once we all kind of learned who this guy really was. Dorsey told me, because I had a relationship with him where we would talk some, and uh, just for background things, and he said that, um, just watch him. He goes, he's a, you know, he's a football player. But what they mean is that he understands the game. Yeah. The quarterback's rolling, bailing out. He knows how to get himself open. Um, and he would say, Dorsey said too, sometimes, you know, he'd blow up on the sidelines, but it was like he'd fire off. And then it's almost like, are you done now, Jarvis? And there, and he'd sit down, give him a playoff, and he's right back in the game. In other words, the pout wasn't going to carry over into anything in the action. It just was he would be frustrated because they were losing. Or, and I remember even last year when he yelled one time, once or twice at Freddie, it was just that the offense was so screwed up. You know, he just wanted not just give me the ball. It's like, can we look like a football team? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want Jarvis on my team. He's one yeah. of those guys that I, I want really, that guy on my it team. It really is. So they have him. And I understand when it comes to Higgins, you know, I don't know enough about Hodge. Hodge made a couple of decent plays um, against yeah. the Bengals. So, but don't they use him a lot on special teams? I haven't looked at the numbers lately. I'd have to look up those snap counts. But yeah, last year he was a really important special teamer. Um, All right. I got a fans wanted. I'll ask you. Okay. Uh, Fans have wanted to know, why don't they just let the Scottish Hammer kick off? Because <laughs> they don't like these 40-yard returns, which I don't either, by the way. We, we talked about this, um, I think it was on yesterday's pod, and it's, I think Mike Prefer is trying to be a little too cute. 
he's he's trying to do the thing and uh, maybe they're telling him to do this from the analytics side right he's trying to do the thing where you kick the ball about a yard deep you make the guy bring it out and you're trying to tackle him between the 15 and 20 right but unfortunately they're not doing that right now so at this point I mean, even to stop being cute like, and kick the thing out of the back. Do, the numbers I've seen would be like there's tackling them on the 22 yard line. Yeah. Instead of the 25. Yeah, just kick it out of the end zone. It's, it's like nothing really bad happens. And the fact is this if they're going to go 75 yards and score on you a touchdown, they'll probably go 80. <laughs> right. Position. I mean, really, they will. Well, and, and this, and this might week, make, make one more play, and maybe they'll make a mistake. But that is not a good defensive possession if they're they're going that far down. And, and this week in particular, Washington has only put together long scoring drives, long touchdown drives, and garbage time. Other than that, they've had to they if they've scored touchdowns, they've had to start at like the forty-five or the fifty. Mm-hmm. So don't even don't help them out at all. Just oh, boot the thing game. out, boot it out of the back. So this, to your point too, Dan, is a good thing for us to see. Can this defense with 10 days of preparation against an inexperienced quarterback, um, with I'm sure they're probably having all the blues that you get with the new coaching staff and everything else, can they go out there and play a decent game or are they going to give up 30 points again? Right. That, that's one of the things I'm watching. Because I, I don't know how much we're going to learn about this team against Washington, but that's one of the things that you kind of circle and say, all right, you know, can you do – can you do what Philadelphia did in the first half against them before that just imploded? Um, Mm -hmm. And that comeback was a lot because of turnovers and and just bad stuff. Uh, Can you do what Arizona did to them? You can't, you can't let Washington score 30, 30 or 35 points. We're not talking about the, the, the Ravens defense or even Pittsburgh's or whatever. We're talking about Arizona's defense. Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll be interesting, uh, as, as always. And remember, Terry, it's the Washington football team. Yes. You got you to gotta get that in your head because I've almost said uh, – Undersecretaries. <laughs> something like that. Hey, the, something. The football, the football club of Washington. Yeah. All right. You know, last week I did pick the Bengals. Okay. I, I was a fearful – did, actually. Actually, I was fearful that what would happen would happen, which would be they'd score 30 points. <laughs> and I wasn't sure the Browns could score more than that, which they did. But this week, I, I am going with the Browns. I just don't see Washington having any kind of offense that uh, would really matter. And, and then, you know, I'll let you go here. We've been going for a while. But if you beat Washington, then your worst-case scenario is you go to Dallas and you leave there 2-2. Two and two. Right. And I think 2-2 two and two is exactly where you wanted to be after four games given yeah given all the no preseason all that stuff we talked about yes um but you know just the the issues with the browns uh are defensively and that's why if you go out and you run it down their throat keep the defense off the field i don't care if it looks sort of sometimes primitive football i'm really interested in winning football yeah i mean that's the point isn't it yeah (laughs) as as herm edwards said you, you play to win the game well, what, didn't, didn't uh, Kyle Shannon have a game where he ran the ball eight times and won a big game last year? Or 12 times? I can't, I I can't remember. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Through eight passes or? That, or it, well, was that the, NF, was that the, um, was the that playoff game? And, yeah. yeah, he's like, they threw like eight passes or ten passes. They won the game. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> so there you are, you know. And then when he finally did do a play action, guys are open all over the place. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're subscribed everywhere you listen to podcasts and also check out Football Insider text 216-208-3965 to start your 14-day free trial. Terry, thanks for your time. Okay, Dan.